0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Start your engine!
0: For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's fast track. All
1: right, take a nice big
0: deep breath, buddy. With your host, let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan.
1: No fuel conservation now. It's mash the gas and make it roll. Larson the leader. Kurt Bush trying to go to the outside. Here comes Ryan Blaney. Blaney looking to go three wide up the middle.
0: It's Kurt Bush to the lead on the back stretch. Kyle Larson is out of gas. Kurt Bush goes to the lead. Ryan Blaney goes to second. They're three wide behind them. Up front, Kurt Bush leads the total 500 to three. Kurt Bush all by himself at the front of the field, but will he make it back around? Has three car lengths over Kyle Larson and A.J. Allmendinger. Off of turn four, it's Kurt Busch looking for the checker. Kurt Busch leads the Daytona 500. He's never won before in Daytona, a former series champion. He will fix that today, winning the 59th edition of the Great American Race. Good morning, race fans. 1103 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, and welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always. And that's how you heard it here last Sunday on WGR, as Kurt Busch drove to victory in the 59th running of the Daytona 500. The call from MRN with Dave Moody, Mike Bagley, Kyle Rickey, and Joe Moore as they came to the line on the final lap. As Kurt Bush passing Kyle Larson on that final lap, as Larson started to run out of gas, and Bush had just enough in the tank to pick up his first career Daytona 500 to end what was uh, not maybe what I expected for the Daytona 500, but uh, uh, certainly lots to talk about uh, from the big race last Sunday. That's what we'll do here this morning. Phone lines are open here right off the bat 8030551. 888-550-2550 to talk about the Daytona 500, what you saw in last week's race, what you liked, what you didn't like. Could they crash a few more times? Maybe. I don't know. But uh, lots to talk about coming out of uh, last week's race. So phone lines are open for you this morning. Also, we're on Twitter at Fast Track 550 You can send us a tweet and also on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash uh WGR Fast Track is our Facebook page. Coming up on today's show, uh, coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we're going to talk to Michael Printup, the president of Watkins Glen International. We always seem to talk to him right after Speed Weeks, uh, usually because Michael's down there and he's right in the middle of it. And, you know, he can gives, a, gives us kind of a, a behind the scenes uh, perspective on the event. But more importantly, big news concerning Watkins Glen this week. They announced their uh, schedule for their Cup Race weekend in August, and big change. As a couple other tracks have already done this year, they have moved their qualifying for the Cup Series to the day of the race, which is a big change. We haven't had that uh, in the Cup Series in a while um, or ever. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think I don't think they to my knowledge, I don't think Cup cars have, have been qualifying and race on the same day. To my knowledge, at least, I uh, may be back in the day they used to do it, but you know, tra- a traditional cup weekend over the, the long as I've been paying attention, usually they qualify in a Friday or a Saturday, but uh, they're going to do it on race day. So that was a big announcement this week for Watkins Glen. So we're going to talk to Michael Prince about that as well too, how that impacts. Their promotion of, of the event and, and how they operate their weekend. Of course, they'll still have the Xfinity series uh, running on Saturday. They'll have the K and N series as well to that weekend as well. So there'll still be plenty of action throughout the weekend. Just. You're gonna. You won't see any cup cars until Saturday when they have a practice session, and then you'll get qualifying sun on um, the day of the race about twelve twelve thirty, and then the race this year at Watkins Glen. It's not starting until three o'clock Eastern, which is also a big change. Traditionally, that's like you know a one o'clock, two o'clock start for the Glen, but a three o'clock start, and that also might create a few extra challenges for the folks at the Glen. So we'll talk to Michael Printup about that in less than ten minutes. But the rest of this hour is wide open for you, race fans at eight oh three oh five fifty one. And last week's Daytona 500 and Kurt Busch getting the win. I thought it wasn't the race I expected. Um, you know, I, I, we were talking about all the wrecks in the uh, truck and Xfinity races on Friday and Saturday. And I said, you know, a lot of that had to do with the lack of experience in both fields. And I thought we would not see the amount of wrecks we did in the cup race in the 500. And that turned out not to be the case because we had, I think, five or six uh, major incidents throughout the afternoon, especially late in the race, in in, the, in that final stage alone, I think there was four of them, and uh, it just turned out that these guys were uh, hungry to get back on the track and, and really wanted to win the day 2,500. Now, I will say right off the bat, all the racks were not a product of the new stage system. I you know a lot of people or, or some people said that you know that the the stages. You know, made this you know, kind of screwed things up and caused a lot of these wrecks. I don't think that was the case, especially when you look at when the accidents happened. Uh, the, I think again, four of them happened after the end in the final stage, so you know that really didn't change things. You had one happen right before the end of one of the stages, and one kind of in the middle of the first stage. So I don't think the stage racing had any impact on on these wrecks being caused, and it was just maybe more of a case of guys being a little too aggressive. Or just making a mistake behind the wheel and, and you know bump drafting the guy at the wrong t- wrong place at the wrong time to, to create a lot of these wrecks. Or if, you know in Kyle Busch's case when he cut a tire and in his incident that took out him and a couple of teammates and Dale Jr. as well too. So I don't think that the the new rules concerning the stages had anything to do with all the wrecks last week. That being said, we also did though see the five minute rule. You know, again, come into play. We talked about that last week. I thought may, you know, potentially the, with the way it played out, you know, would maybe NASCAR go back and and look at it for maybe the restrictor plate tracks? Uh, nothing out of NASCAR this week concerning that. And, uh, it, you know, it, it, the, the rule, again, a lot of people were upset by the five minute rule. Uh, I I get it. I, I get why they do this. It, it saves team, teams money. It, it's, you know, keeps them from having to bring, uh, extra equipment to the track to make repairs, to bring extra sheet metal, to bring those crash carts that they call them to make these repairs on these damaged cars. So that that's good, too. It keeps cars off the track that are heavily damaged. Even if they are repaired, they still can't go anywhere as fast as the cars that uh, are, are mostly intact or completely intact, and that also creates a safety hazard, a competition hazard out on the racetrack. Um, so I, I get the reasoning for, you know... This rule, and if you're spending more than five minutes to repair damages, anyway, you're not going to have a car that uh, is going to is likely going to compete for a win, especially at a restricted play track. That being said, though, race winner Kurt Busch, his car did have damage received in one of the incidents, and he got back out there before the conclusion of his uh, uh before the five minutes ran out for him when he made damage repairs. So, it, you know uh it sh- it shows that you know if if you can get the damage repaired that quickly you still can be in at contention to win but if you're spending more than 5 minutes needing to make repairs to your car uh, obviously um you've got bigger problems and you're not maybe going to win and again the 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 chance to maybe move from 39th to 37th that's kind of gone out the window too with the fact that 36th through 40th now only pays 1 point a piece and uh, that, again that takes some of the incentive for teams to get damaged cars back onto the track as well too so it's again um I understand a lot of the pe- uh, people's frustration. There was a, a lot of people, especially on Twitter, that had complained about this five minute rule uh, all weekend, especially during the 500, especially if their driver was involved. But, you know, Dale Jr. wasn't going to compete for the win. That car was tore up. And Junior himself even said that you know he's almost glad he didn't have to go back out there because it was just so beat up. There would have been no point really in him running out there and just taking laps. You know, it's just better for him to get out of the car and be done for the day because uh, it was it was pretty tore up. For the radiator, the toe was knocked out. A couple of things I heard him say. So again, it's uh, it, again it, maybe they'll take a look at it, but it, it currently no indication out of NASCAR that this there's any changes to that rule coming for Talladega later this spring. Or the July race uh, at Daytona Fourth uh, of July weekend. Let's go to the phones. First caller of the day is Robert in Geneseo. Robert, good morning. Good morning. How are you?
1: Good. I got a question about. I'm. I listened to your uh, lacrosse cover yesterday. Yes. Boy, have they changed the rules in lacrosse in fifty years?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting sport. Thank you for listening. It was a tough loss yesterday for the Bandits. I, I, I totally lost, Hunter.
1: I played with the in the old Tuscarora Reservation in Niagara County.
0: Uh huh.
1: I knew a lot of the guys that were playing across up there, and most at that time they didn't have enough guys to scrimmage. And they we used to go out there and scrimmage with them.
0: Yeah, I mean the this, yeah the sports growing uh, uh, growing in this area big time, and the bandits have a lot to do with that. Did you did you have a, a racing point you wanted to make, Robert? No, I just wanted to tell you about that, though. Okay, well, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was um the tough. Overtime loss for the Bandits yesterday, but they had a good win on Friday night and uh, enjoyed being on uh, both broadcasts this weekend with uh, John Gertler. Uh, Just a real quick rundown, uh, some of the top finishers, some of the interesting performances out of Sunday's Daytona 500. Kurt Busch getting the win. Ryan Blaney, who we we talked about briefly uh, on Sunday's show, maybe he had an outside shot and he was there uh, in that final... um, Yo, know, last dash to the finish, finishing second despite starting 36. And A.J. Elmendinger had a good day for JTG Doherty Racing and uh, Director of Operations Mark Kelso, of course. Uh, they finished third. Good run for them after they started deep in the field. Eric Almirola, Paul Menard, top five finishes for their respective teams that can use a boost to start off the year. Joey Logano, my pick to win the race, was there at the end towards the front but just could not get anybody to go with him during that that last Stretch run uh, at the end of the stage three. You know, Logano desperately wanted to get somebody to team up with him and make a run on on Larson or Elliott or Bush there at the end, but he could just not get a drafting partner to go with him at the front of the field. Blaney finally went with him, but by then it was too late and everybody was starting to run out of gas. But, uh, Logano had a shot, but unfortunately just did not have the running partners to go with them. Uh, Casey Kane finished seventh, Michael Waltrip in his final start. How about that? Finishing eighth. He was one of the few guys that didn't get any damage on Sunday. I think 35 out of the 40 cars were involved in an incident at some point. Uh, and Waltrip was one of the few that avoided it, and he got eighth. Matt De Benedetto, great run for them in ninth, and Trevor Bain rounded up the top ten. One of the interesting things about the top ten from the Daytona 500, it was ten different teams represented in the top ten finishes. That's a pretty interesting stat. Uh, Bush, of course, with Stuart Haas, Blaney with uh, the Wood Brothers, uh, Allmendinger with Dor- uh, JTG, Almirola with Petty, Logano with Penske, Casey Kane with Hendrick, Michael Waltrip, um, I can't even remember the name of the team. He dro- drove for uh, DeBenedetto Go GoFast Racing and Trevor Bain with Rush Fenway Racing. So 10 different teams for all the talk uh, of all the different, uh, you know, the domination of the Gibbs cars, which, you know, they all a lot of them got wrecked uh, on Sunday. And the Hendricks and Stuart Haases of the world, you had 10 different teams represented uh, in the top 10. And then you go back, you know, to 11th with Brendan Gone and he drove for an independent team, Beard Racing. Good run for him in 11th and then Larson for for Ganassi and then Truex was the highest finishing Gibbs car so really top 13 uh top 12 13 were uh, all different teams uh from the NASCAR garage finishing at the front of the field in Sunday's Daytona 500 with that let's go to the AT&T Hotline and bring in the president of Watkins Glen International welcome back to the program Michael Printup joins us again Michael it's uh, been a, a long off season away from talking to you how are you great to talk to you <laughs> Doing awesome, Dave. Thanks
1: for having me on this morning. That's—I uh, really appreciate that, as always. Uh,
0: first up, uh, how was your speed weeks? I'm assuming you were—you were down at Daytona last weekend. I
1: was. I was. Um, I was down there a lot. I—I I made a, uh, almost trips every single week, but it was—it was awesome. I mean, you know, we had some crummy weather earlier in the week. You know, the Clash was um, had a little weather there too. But uh, you know, as the 500 weekend approached, the weather got better and better, and. Um, uh, it was uh, it was a good weekend, and it was you know it's always fun to kick it off, but wow, it comes fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the the off season is very short in the sport, as we know. Uh, just real quick, from from that standpoint, just working with your your colleagues at the International Speedway Corporation at NASCAR, how much nervous anticipation was there behind the scenes? You had so much kind of. Coming this year, you had Monster Energy as the new Cup Series sponsor, all of these rule changes, uh, Dale Jr. coming back, just all of the, this stuff that was coming to a head last weekend. How was it behind the scenes that everybody was just nervous that that it was all going to go off just right and, and have a good start to the season?
1: I don't, you know, honestly, behind the scenes, we were probably some of the commerce people
0: <laughs> um, associated, you know, from NASCAR
1: media, because, you know, we obviously live and breathe it every day. Um, you know, the rule changes were the rule changes, the sessions, you know, some people had some comments about that. I think what they're going to see, though, that's only one race. We'll see Atlanta today, I think it's going to be an awesome race. Mm. Uh, they've got great weather, too, as you know, so good to turn on the TV and give them a watch. but. Um, it, it really wasn't that bad. Monster's awesome. I mean, it's, I think it's great for our sport, uh, to bring along a brand like that. Nothing against Sprint. I mean, Sprint was just beyond a, just a wonderful sponsor to be with the sport for 14 years. But, sure. uh, Monster, the sessions, Dale coming back. I mean, we had a lot of good news. Uh, and let's face it, you know, Kurt and, and the kid going against the, for the win up there. I'm sure you saw that last lap. Kurt um, brought his veteran status to the table and completely out them him uh, with the fake move to the left and then went around his right side. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was an awesome race, and I think a lot of people felt the same inside.
0: Well, of course, this week, big news concerning Watkins Glen International, Michael. Um, you guys are the third track now to officially announce that the fact that you're going to have Cup Series qualifying on race day. It'll be uh, on Sunday about 1230 before the race starts at three o'clock. Just tell us uh, what went into this decision, how much and, and just talk about how this came to be with the uh, planning the schedule for 2017.
1: Yeah, we all looked at it and there's gonna. I'm sure there's going to be some more tracks that come out. I know us in Pocono and Martinville, mm-hmm. uh, there's probably a few others in there that I've missed. Um, you know, we're looking at trying to highlight – our weekend stays the weekend. We'll still have, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We have K&N Friday, which is just awesome, as you know, is you know the leader up uh, to their weekend Xfinity, obviously, on Saturday, then Cup on Sunday. What we really took a look at was how much more excitement can we provide on Sunday? Mm-hmm. You know, let's make this an action-packed day and really take a look at that because, you know, there's, there's a good chunk of fans, um, almost half the fans, on Sunday, that uh, that only buy Sunday tickets. So, you know, it was it, it's hard to take away a little content on Friday, but at the end of the day, we're going to provide more. We're still trying to get some content on Thursday. Uh, we obviously haven't made that announcement yet, but we want to we want to have some racing on Thursday. Not with those three series, but we're going to look at some other opportunities. And um, I, I think it's just going to action packed today for the fans. to have a little break in between. Uh, may come down, join us pre-race, have some of those kind of fun things. Go back to display row. Uh, I, I really think what the fans will see is is the series wears on this year. Come August, it'll be the typical Glen. It's come. It's it's you know what do you come to the Glen for? There's all kinds of good things, but uh, the party, the racing, the quality, friends, family, kids. Um, it, it'll all be it'll all be that all over again this year.
0: How much did uh, the television partners, and and for your race, of course, it'll be NBC, uh, NBCSN and NBC, uh, how how much of an impact did they have on this decision?
1: Yeah, you know, we were all at the table, not collectively. I mean, we work with, obviously, our group of 12 racetracks across the country. Uh, work with Joey Chitwood who is the CEO of ISC and mm-hmm. you know, we can't have 13 voices at the table of course sure but we we collectively got together with Joey and uh, we all took turns and then we had individual conversations with Joey um, you know for each one of our tracks and and NASCAR and TV were on the other side um, I'm going to tell you we all had an equal stake in how to do it um, what we thought was better um, what we think would work and 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 I think you know, for Watkins Glen, we thought this might be a really good time to show off, to be leaders in the pack, uh, along with Martinsville and Pocono, uh, to really take a hard look at this and see if there's an opportunity to, to grow some uh, some more business on Sunday.
0: Now, we'd known with the, the printing of the schedule for this year, you were going to have a 3 p.m. start. Was the was the uh, day of qualifying, was that always supposed to be a part of it, or did that come after the uh, your, your start time was posted for this year?
1: Yeah, since we, we did post-time early, well, not early, it was probably, uh, I think it was like a week before our race last year. Um, so, yeah, that, that that came first. And then when we started look at programming the day, it's like, wait a minute, we've got a long day now. And people just started throwing stuff against the wall and we wanted to see what would stick. And, um, you know, this is one of those things that uh, uh, the qualifying on day of, we thought might uh, give it a whirl and really show the fans a high-quality uh, – not that it's not – Low quality before, but right. higher quality day of events.
0: Michael Printup joining us from Watkins Glen International. So you'll have the the K and N East cars on Friday. You'll have uh, the Xfinity Series race, of course, on Saturday with the Cup Series on Sunday. But there will be Cup cars will be on track. They'll have a practice session on Saturday as well, too. Correct?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you have Xfinity on Friday as well. Practice. Okay. Yeah, you, you still have just an action-packed Saturday. Um, and that was part of the other decision, what we're making here. We were really cramming an awful lot in on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was making it tough um, for the facility for one re- for one uh, um, opportunity. Um, you know, you always got to look at if you got to do some track repairs, and I don't mean the track itself because, you know, we paved that last year. <laughs> but, you know, Armco repairs or anything sure. else there, or other safety concerns that might come up. During any of those other races, so it really kind of lightened up a little bit of Saturday and and made Saturday a little bit more relaxing for the drivers. Hopefully, the fans uh, won't see much of a difference because the day still starts uh, early in the morning and goes till the completion of the Xfinity race.
0: Of course, uh, the one other thing with the three p.m. start time on Sunday, Michael. Of course, is that really closes your window in event of weather. Or um, say, you know, we've seen some incidents at your facility in the past that have caused some, you know, arm code damage and you've had to make repairs. Uh, you, you know, with the the daylight we have in mid-August here in, in in New York State, that really gives you a tight window to get that show in, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're, I'm slagging it here, Dave, but I think we get dark uh, around 8.30, core to nine. I mean, it still leaves us five hours. And the good thing you can Take away the rain, since we are being a road course.
0: Yeah, you do have the rain tires.
1: Race in the rain, so yep. unlike some of the other tracks that have a later start, we could kind of check that box on the weather side. Because mm-hmm. um, I, you know, all of us, including NASCAR, we we have a little bit of us in us, and I, I say maybe three or four uh, percent, obviously out of a hundred. Uh, we'd like to see the little cup guys go in the (laughs) ring once in a while. uh, uh, Maybe the fans wouldn't, but, uh, you know, there's a bunch of us that might want to see that. But, you know, the window – uh, yeah, if you have an accident, you know, we know that we've been under our repairs before. Um, you know, we get better and faster at that as we learn some tricks, and we've learned a lot of tricks in the last five years. So hopefully we can limit that window if there's any opportunity with the Armco. Uh,
0: last question, Michael, about the Cup weekend, of course. Unfortunately, your uh, partner at Cheez-It uh, exited from the, the sport after this past season. That was your title sponsor. Uh, how is the search going for a possible replacement title sponsor for the Cup race? Yeah,
1: it's going well. We're down to two finalists uh, right now. Um, I'd I like to say that we'd have uh something inked up in the next uh, two to four weeks. Uh Cheese, it you know, they were with us for four years. Uh, just an awesome Kellogg's brand product. I can't say enough about them being around. You know, they had some changes internally and decided to redirect their marketing. Uh, they just announced this past week they went to Major League Baseball um but you great partners, but, uh, you know, the two that we have, uh, going down the pike, uh, I feel really good about. They're great, uh, promotional partners potentially. So hopefully, like I said, we can wrap that up and, uh, and get moving on for the rest of the year because we're ready to put year number two on this brand new asphalt. And, you know, success has always been connected with action and we keep that ball moving. So, uh, um, we may make mistakes, but we won't quit and we'll keep on rolling. So.
0: Well, of course, that action gets started a lot sooner than August, Michael. You're about a a month away from your opening weekend, and and tell the race fans that listening, it it gives them an opportunity to to try their streetcar at Watkins Glen right for opening weekend coming up in about a month.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the 7th and 8th. Actually, 6th, 7th, and 8th. We donate the track on Friday to a Green Grand Prix organization. So they bring schools. It's a STEM program. They bring from all over the Northeast, a little bit of the Midwest. And then Saturday and Sunday, bring your car, own vehicle on the racetrack. Uh, We're trying to line up some special guests. We haven't uh, been able to uh, finalize that yet, but uh, we're getting close. But, you know, there's not too many fields baseball football i say this every year uh, that you can go play on uh, just like uh emerson Fittipaldi, mario andretti dale Earnhardt senior junior um, then you can not then then you can't walk in glenn and come drive the same course that they drove and it's for charity, and we all get to have a little fun while we're doing it.
0: Yeah, that's coming up the weekend, uh, Saturday, April 8th, April Sunday, April 9th. Uh, looking at your website, Michael, those are the days for opening weekend at Watkins Glen. You can get more information at com. And, of course, they'll have their big three events, the Salem Six Hours, which is uh, the last weekend in June, the uh, NASCAR weekend, August 3rd and 6th, and don't forget, IndyCar is back for year number two, Michael. That was such a big hit last year, and you'll have the IndyCar Stars back Labor Day weekend.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, we have such a – the schedule is full. Uh, but yeah, we, we are so excited to have IndyCar back and it's such a great weekend, but uh, you're right with the Joe Salen uh, pulling up the front, which is awesome. The, our good old Buffalo company that uh, live in large, uh, loves Salen's products, uh, able to get that moving and then right into the wine festival, NASCAR indycar and in the vintage after that so we have yep. pretty busy summer as always but it get, got a little busy with indycar but we're happy they're back and and you know they broke the north american speed record last year and maybe they'll do it again this year
0: very good again more information at the com for tickets and a full schedule of their events coming up this year michael always great to catch up I, i'm sure we'll do it again soon thank you for the time this morning
1: Day. Thank you very much. Have a great
0: day. All right, Michael Prince up from Watkins Glen International again. The big announcement this week that the Cup Series will qualify on Sunday of their NASCAR weekend uh, at twelve thirty with the race to come at three o'clock. And I just wanted to get uh, a. Michael's perspective on it, how, the decision that went into everything, uh, bringing that to fruition, and uh, just uh, what they had on tap for this year. We come back. Uh, wide open phones here for the rest of the hour. If you want to get in on the Daytona 500, something what you thought about last week's race or what you're thinking about today's race in Atlanta, or are you a Watkins Glen fan? Do you buy tickets every year? Do you go camping at the Glen every year for NASCAR weekend? How does that, the schedule change, does that impact your decisions at all uh, on When you go, if you go, you should still go, but if if you go or or how long you're going to go for, uh, I would love to know that if you're a ticket buyer for Watkins Glen in that NASCAR race, uh, how does this impact you? Are you more likely to go now on Sunday because you know you're going to see qualifying in the race? I would love to hear your thoughts on that, too. Uh, More when we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. 11.34 11.34 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, debut Buchanan, and WGR's Fast Track. Again, we got open phones for the rest of the hour here on the program for you to, you to get your thoughts in on last week's Daytona 500, today's race at Atlanta, or the announcement for Watkins Glen that we just talked to Michael of about, as uh, the Cup Series will qualify now on Sunday race day at about 12.30 before the race goes green around 3 o'clock. And uh, especially if you are a ticket buyer for that event, interested to see what you think about that, um, or does that make you more likely to be a ticket buyer? Maybe you've never gone, and uh, you would, you're would you even more interested in going now because of the, the extra uh, content, I guess you could say, they have for you on Sunday with uh, qualifying and uh, the race itself at Watkins Glen International that first week of August. Uh, real quick, let's take a look at the starting lineup for today's race at Atlanta, the Quick trip 500, and Kevin Harvick on the pole. No, not a big surprise, always strong on the mile-and-a-half tracks. Of course, a week two out for the Stuart Haas organization in the Fords. They've already got one win under their belt last week, thanks to Kurt Busch, and now uh, Kevin Harvick on the pole for today's race. Ryan Newman will share the front row for him. Good qualifying performance for the RCR team. Row two, Kyle Busch, who's already got a win this weekend, At uh, Atlanta, he picked up the win in the Xfinity race yesterday. Actually, Kyle did triple duty this weekend. He ran both the Xfinity and truck races yesterday... And uh, we'll start third today in the cup race alongside Ricky Stenhouse in row two. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Alpensky, row three. And it's an all-Ganassi, row four. It's almost like an IndyCar race. Uh, Jamie McMurray and Kyle Larson in row four for the two Ganassi cars. Then you've got Martin Truex and Danny Hamlin rounding out the top ten starters. Uh, Chase Elliott, Dale Jr., roll off from row six. Your Daytona 500 champ, Kurt Busch, starts 13th today. Other notable names in the field, Matt Kenseth, 16th. Jimmy Johnson, 18th. Uh, Daniel Suarez, the second career Cup Series start. He'll start 21st. Danica Patrick starts 24th today. Casey Kane, former winner at Atlanta. He'll start 29th today. And uh, only 39 cars in the field. They did not get 40, so nobody had to go home during qualifying. But that's not a, a good sign, I guess, to say that they uh, didn't get a full field of cars in race two. It's not the end of the world, but, it you know, it, it, you would like to see, a I guess, a full field. Um, it's, you know. Always good to, to, I guess, see a lot of cars show up for a Cup Series event and and not the case at Atlanta. And it'll be interesting to see how those numbers turn out when the series uh, heads out west for the next three races starting next weekend at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Obviously, the big talk of today's race at Atlanta will be tires as the racing surface at the Atlanta Motor Speedway is very worn out. In fact, it's so worn out they're going to repave it after today's race, much to the chagrin of of uh, most of the drivers in the Cup Series garage. Also, of course, the lower downforce uh, as NASCAR continues to take away some of the downforce in these cars. They started last year and now kind of, and starting this year, also even more downforce taken out, Try and get these cars uh, almost a little more similar to the Xfinity Series in terms of downforce at least. So you combine that with a worn-out racetrack, and that makes for a driver's race where these guys are going to be all over the steering wheels today for 500 miles uh, turning left and maybe turning right a few times just to keep the car pointed straight uh, especially in the corners which usually makes for a more interesting race although it is a mile and a half facility and in, in, in racing on these on these style of racetracks don't always generate the most exciting competition and it allows for uh, you know drivers to to get stretched out a little bit more we'll see if the stage racing concept see how much that affects it whereas you know these guys potentially run a little bit harder uh, in the uh, first two stages. Also keeps, um, you know, throwing some extra cautions, and that also keeps the field from getting strung out, as it were. Uh, and and com- combine that with the lower downforce and, and the the fact that the tires are going to wear out a lot quicker today um, – Hopefully, make for a little bit more improved product here at the mile mile and a half track at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. But you know, look for guys like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kyle Larson. You know, the, the couple of names to keep an eye on today. Two drivers that definitely love a type of racetrack like this. You'll, you know, Larson traditionally on, on a track like this, he'll be right up against the wall on the outside. Uh, that's his preferred line, but. You saw a lot of guys in the Xfinity Series race run well right along the bottom, especially Kevin Harvick, and he starts on the pole today. So hopefully you see multiple lines and multiple grooves develop throughout the afternoon, and uh, it makes for hopefully a exciting race today at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, again, Harvick on the pole, Newman alongside. So a green flag just after uh, 2.30 this afternoon. Going back, kind of finishing up a couple of thoughts uh, from Daytona from last week. And the thing I... It, after all the wrecks that that were in the race on sunday the fact that the race came down to a long green flag run was uh that was the most exciting part of it for me to, for me was that we got a long green flag run to kind of run out the race the last caution um was about 1 153 was the last uh, caution of the race on sunday so you had the final 47 laps under green flag and it made for a long run to the finish and it turned into be a fuel run which was kind of surprising we thought with the stages and everything that fuel mileage races would be maybe not a thing of the past but not happen as often and you don't often see fuel mileage races at Daytona but uh, that's what it turned into and that that, that was why Chase Elliott you know has chances of winning were dashed there at the end also same for Kyle Larson what two great storylines those would have been had they had won uh, you know Elliot hit his first win at a track where his father had so much success and you know that he's such a, a bright up and coming star in the sport and then Larson too to, to get a big win uh, you know that's uh, got a huge uh, uh grassroots support from the fan base with his background in sprint car race and everything, those would have been great stories. But unfortunately, Fuel Mileage took them out of the equation and allowed Kyle Larson, who, or excuse me, Kurt Busch, had just enough at the end to go to the lead. But I'm glad it got to play out because so often it, it seems like in, in the past that you you were you're setting up for a long green run green flag run at the finish and we always get some kind of debris caution uh at the end to kind of bunch things up whether those are genuine or not uh, remains to be seen sometimes they seem suspicious when they do happen but uh, as long as uh, I can see proof on my television that there is a genuine debris on the racetrack or something wrong, I will I will accept it. But sometimes there's those phantom debris cautions at the end of a race when things are playing out like that to kind of spoil things for me. But we didn't get that last Sunday. Uh, it, they let it play out, which was uh, great to see. And and you know it it wasn't the finish maybe we expected with uh, you know what we saw last year. With a close finish between Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex, where everybody was kind of bunched up, but it turned into just kind of an eight-car freight train at the end, and nobody, you know, nobody really wanting to go until the last minute to make that run uh, on the leader, whoever it was at the time. You know, we saw Joey Logano; it seemed like Logano was dying to just get someone to go with him to try and take a run at the front. Unfortunately, time ran out for him. But then the the fuel mileage came into play. Guys started running out, and that's what ramped up the excitement at the end and set up another last lap pass, uh, which is like at least the second year in a row that we've had now a last lap pass in the Daytona 500 and allowed Kurt Busch to get the win. And and what what a moment! I think this kind of completes Kurt's career. You know, he was a champion way way back in 2004. I know it it seem, doesn't seem like that long ago, but you know it's been a while since he won his championship. But he's got you know over 20 wins in his cup series career but he has had his off the track moments you know the uh the the drunk driving arrest the alleged drunk driving arrest um in a couple years after the championship at the end of his days with roush roush racing uh the incident a couple years ago or last year was it um with his then girlfriend at the time and the alleged the allegations of domestic abuse which you know never were he was never uh, found guilty of and, and was exonerated for and that but that kept him out of speed weeks you know because of it because he was suspended um so all all the off track stuff that's kind of been a a uh, uh, you know uh, uh, i guess a, a blotch on on his his nascar record that for all of his accomplishments he's always had these off track issues i mean he was almost completely out of the sport a few years ago, you know, just driving almost one off deals just to stay in the sport on a weekly basis uh you know the whole incident at Penske when he, he blew up on the reporter and he got let go from Penske racing it re- that could have been the end of his career and luckily um he was he was able to hang on luckily for him. And uh, caught on with this ride at Stewart Haas Racing, and, and is once again um, become uh, not not prominent. What's the word I'm looking relevant to the sport? That's what I'm looking for. Uh, you know, it's 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 huge redemption for him that, uh, despite all the rough patches he's had over the last uh, few years, that he's able to add to his resume and maybe cement himself as a, a great driver in the sport. And uh, you know maybe cinch up his spot in the Hall of Fame someday. Now you've got a a a, champi- a cup series championship and a Daytona 500 title to your resume. That almost will make it a lock for him. Uh, to maybe be, uh, make the Hall of Fame someday once he retires. But good redemption story for him. Also, his crew chief, Tony Gibson, uh, his, his reaction after winning, how great was that? And after all, after everything he's been in through, been through with his health over the last couple of years, uh, that made it even more fun too to see him, his reaction. And Tony Stewart also as a car owner winning the day 2500, something he missed as a driver, uh, he didn't get a chance to do, but his, his first uh, Daytona 500 is strictly a car owner in the Cup Series. Uh, gets a Daytona 500 win as well, too. So it was a feel-good story all around for the Stuart Haas Racing 41. I think the thing, the, the only thing that upset me at the end of the race was the Fox broadcast. And you heard Mike Joyce say that we're going commercial-free for the rest of the race, whatever it was, like 45 laps to go. And what do they do? They go to a commercial. I don't get that. I think there was, at least the way Mike was putting out on Twitter this week, there was some confusion um, that they had to take a local break or something, so they can't even do the sp- split screen for the local breaks. But I was fuming. If there's one thing I get more wild up about watching NASCAR races, if you follow me on Twitter, it is the commercials, especially when there are a lot of commercials, and we were supposedly going to get le- fewer green flag commercials because of the stages and everything. Um I don't know. I didn't notice a difference. We still got you know that usual first commercial break at about lap 10, and it just seemed to go on from there. But the most irritating thing was the fact that Mike Joyce said, no commercials, and then there was a commercial. And uh, and then there was actually two more commercial breaks on top of it. But those were the split screens that I love breaks where you still have the action in the little box on the side of the screen. But to say that you have you're going to have no commercials and then have three breaks, one of those breaks being full screen interruption was uh, rather irritating. And uh, hopefully if they do it again today with the Atlanta broadcast, they figure things out and know not to say no commercials and still have commercials had it been split scene split screen commercials i wouldn't have been as upset i get that you can kind of say no you can say we're going to go uninterrupted the rest of the way and do split screen but if you're going to say no commercials and then have a full screen break that was uh did not like that, but again, I think there might have been some miscommunication with the uh, the production truck in the announcer's booth. At least that's what how Mike Joy was kind of painting it on Twitter this week, responding to some of the f- fan comments about that. And uh, who doesn't love responding to NASCAR Twitter because they're all such <laughs> rational, happy people, right? Uh, all right, we get back. Final segment uh, here on the program. We'll, we'll take a look at our, our Fast Track Fantasy League uh, recap after race one. We had quite a dominating performance from one of our contestants. It wasn't me, unfortunately, but we'll take a look at that. And a few final thoughts, too, for today's Race Atlanta. And still time for your phone calls. We can squeeze those in as well to 803-0551, 550 550 We wrap up Fast Track here on WGR. Hey, Race fans, this is Dave Buchanan for my friends at Batavia Downs. Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination with newly renovated entrance, gaming floor, and, of course, that new hotel they have as well, too. And at Batavia Downs, March is Leprechaun Loot Month at Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. Nightly drawings for $250 cash with guaranteed payouts of $5,000 or more on Saturdays. Car drawings from Castellone, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep of Batavia on Saturday, March 25th, and win a cruise and see the Zach Brown Tribute Band on March 31st. See their website or Facebook for more details. Batavia Downs Gaming, a great place to go and watch sporting events, too. You can go to 34 Rush, Thurman Thomas' sports bar right inside Batavia Downs. They've got tons of HD TVs. They've got the big 15 foot projection screen for big events. So you can go there and watch the race today. Uh, there's a hockey game later today you can watch. Of course, uh, college basketball heating up as well, too. There'll be a lot of big basketball games coming up to watch uh, throughout the month of March, uh, hint hint. Uh, so be sure to head to 34 Rush and check that out out as well too and discover why batavia downs gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination with over 800 of the hottest and in-demand video gaming machines lots of great new titles with new ones regularly added and make it a night to remember by visiting one of their great restaurants staying the night at the hotel or wagering on live harness races all that at batavia downs gaming and tell them you heard about them right here at fast track hi
1: this is dylan Hart jr driver of the nationwide exalta chevrolet you're
0: listening to wgr sports radio 550 thanks jr 11.53 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Coming up today on WGR, it's uh, Sabres game day, uh, m- mid-late afternoon, early evening game as uh, they're in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins face-off just after 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, so pregame with uh, my buddy Brian Koziel coming up at 4 o'clock today here on WGR. Our WGR Fast Track Fantasy League uh it did not go well for me last week. Uh, I had Joey Logano, of course, he was my pick to win the race. Didn't win, but uh, finished sixth, so I uh, got me decent points. But I had bad day out of Junior, uh, only five points. Bad day for Kyle Busch, only four points. Breck Keselowski only fifteen points. Martin Truex, despite being involved in that crash with Junior and Kyle Busch, came back, finished the race thirteenth. And because he started so deep in the field, he gained twenty-two positions from his uh, from his starting spot. He actually gained the most points for me last week, fifty-one. Unfortunately, it was only a total of one hundred and twenty points, so that puts me uh, mid-pack. I finished twenty-second overall in our, our fast-track fantasy league. But the fantasy player of the week was Gary Gary W. He blew everybody's doors off with 273 points. He was about 70 points better than anybody else. And he actually is ranked 26th overall on Fox Sports for, uh, for for everybody that plays the game. And he had a real, what turned out to be a solid lineup. He took Blaney, who finished second, and also gained 34 spots from a starting position. Almondinger, same thing. Finished third, gained 35 spots. So we got 74 points from each of Blaney and Almondinger. That's more points than I scored total. Martin Truex, he also had Truex, so he also gained a lot from Truex. And he gained a lot of Casey Kane, who finished seventh and gained 19 spots. His only weak spot on his lineup was Kevin Harvick, who lost 17 positions, finished 22nd, so only got him 20 points, but a total of 273 points, and it's given him a big uh, uh, head start here on our Fast Track Fantasy League because he is up by almost 70 points on his next closest competitor, Nick W., who had 205 points, and then uh, our next highest team had 182. So uh, amazing how how things can play out, but when a lot of the pre-race favorites wreck out, that does kind of happen, and usually it's the guy that maybe goes a little off the wall with his picks uh, that winds up doing best. So whether he is either an evil fantasy NASCAR genius and somehow knew that by starting Blaney and Almondinger for them starting so deep in the field, he knew they'd be there at the finish, or he just got really lucky. I don't know. Gary, you sh- if you can tweet me or send me an email, let me know what your strategy was. Uh, I'm 22nd, and Paul Hamilton is 32nd, so I beat Paul. That's all that matters. Paul is 32nd. We, had, we wound up uh, getting a lot of entries late uh, during the show last week. We gained like... Uh, over 12, 15 uh, entries. We actually have 64 people signed up for the league, so that's real exciting. So uh, we'll keep playing on uh, FoxSports.com. And, oh, I was going to say who I had picked today for my uh, fantasy pick, so now I need to open that window back up. I have Daniel Suarez. Um, he kind of he crashed out, obviously, last week. um and uh, but he starts deep in the field, so twenty first. So I'm looking for upside there that he has a good day and gains me some spots. Also, Jimmy Johnson starting eighteenth, but I think you know he could be there at the end, so that'll also get you some extra points. But going with some guys starting towards the front too. Kyle Bush, who's already got a win this weekend. Chase Elliott always it, it did well last year in his first Atlanta start. He starts eleventh today, and I'm going with Brad Kozlowski. who always seems to do well on mile and a half tracks as well too. So he starts fifth. So uh, hopefully rebound here with the fast track. Uh, fantasy team and uh, hopefully play along too also during the race today of course uh, feel free to uh, send us tweets at fast track 550 if you're watching and uh, follow along you can we can continue our discussion on social media next weekend is Las Vegas we'll have the race next Sunday here in WGR we don't today I apologize due to uh, the Sabres game this afternoon but you can always listen uh, on the uh, PRN app they have an app and a website you can stream the race on if you want to listen to it um GoPRN.com is their website. But we will have the Vegas race next weekend here on the station. And uh, that means I think we may be uh, dialing up our buddy uh, Doug Rice for next week's show. We'll, We'll try and get in touch with Doug or somebody from PRN to talk to on next week's program. That'll do it. I'll talk to you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to Fast Track here on WGR Sports Radio 550. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue.